0: Um, asleep in the middle of the night, as you normally are, on January the fourth. But I woke up, and uh, I heard the voice of the Lord saying to me, "Take risks this year. Don't be cautious. Don't allow fear and caution to limit you." It's in Ephesians three twenty. Yeah. So this is all just going on in the middle of the night. Ephesians three twenty. I know that verse. It says this. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above All that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So I'm in the middle of the night thinking like, Lord, it's in Ephesians 3.20, yeah, wow. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I started to meditate on scriptures that I knew that had the expression God is able in them. And because I do a lot of scripture memory, I have done since I'm a new Christian, they just come flooding to mind and really commit to, commend to you the, not only the reading of the scriptures but you know, get some key verses and memorize them. And I'm starting to think about a number of these verses and, and it's building my expectation. And the next morning I turn on my computer and I open up my Bible software and I just type in God is able, and I do a search for a lot of the verses in the New Testament that have that phrase in it, and there are many, but I'm just going to share two or three that I feel are the really highlighted ones that I felt God was saying for this year, and uh, I believe 2012, there's there's different things, it's a year of increased governmental authority uh, that's going to settle on God's people, but I believe it's a year where we need to understand God is able. God is able to do abundantly more than you could ask or think. We were in Singapore um, back in September doing a seminar for a church there and we'd had maybe nine or ten meetings and uh, we were finished finally and we were being driven to the airport by the pastor and his wife. And just as a thank you to us, he said, Oh he said, there's a bag down on the back floor it's for you guys." And we got this bag out, and in it was a new iPad 2, 64 gigabyte, Wi-Fi, 3G. I mean top of the line, and I'm going, "Wow, is that for us?" Yeah?" He said, "I figured it would help you in your ministry. You travel so much, you can check emails, you can do your messages on the thing. And, and I said, we said, "Thank you so much. This will be so great." Now I didn't know, but Greta was thinking in the back seat. I don't think I'll see much of that. <laughs> and she was right, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and she just thought to herself, it'd be really nice if I had one. About three or four days later, we're back in New Zealand and we, the flight didn't take that long. I'm just, you know. Um, but three or four days later, we're back in a church in New Zealand ministering and in the Sunday evening service, a lady comes up to greeting. She said, you know, she said, this is for you. Um, I felt the Lord say I should give you this. And it was an iPad 2. 32 gig Wi-Fi. White. Mine's black. And God just took a thought and said, okay, here it is. He's able to do abundantly more than we could ask or think. One of the verses that came to mind in the middle of the night was 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And it says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make... How many all's are in there? All grace, all ways, all sufficiency, all things... And that's not just talking about money, though the context of the Scripture is, Paul is talking about finance, and certainly this year, as the global recession, you know, it's still so shaky out there, we need to know that God is a supernatural provider, that we don't need to bow to the fear of the giant of recession that's risen up in the earth, that's causing a lot of people to quake with fear and anxiety, but we need to be confident. If you're in business, if you're in employment, you've got to be confident God is able to make all grace abound to you. If you lose your job, He's able to provide you with a better one. This is our God. And we've got to entrust Him and not bow to a spirit of fear. And you know what? Whenever you want to do something great for God, you know a demon that will rise up against you is the spirit of lack. It'll tell you you won't have enough, you won't, you know, there won't be enough resource, there won't be enough strength, there won't be enough anointing, there won't be enough skill, there won't be enough ability, it's lack, lack, lack. But the Word of God says God is able to provide you with all grace. Now, not just for money, but for whatever. You, if you're studying at university, all grace. That you do your part and God will add over the top, all grace. If you're in the workplace, all grace. If you're parenting, all grace. If you've got kids off the rails and you want to see them come back to God, all grace. God, grace is God's power that He gives you as a gift. Not because you deserve it, but because you have faith. That he wants to give it to you. And then another verse that popped into my head in the middle of the night was Jude verse 24. It says, Now to him who was able to keep you from falling and present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing. The devil is called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation 12 verses 10 and 11 it says, He accuses us day and night before our God. And so what that means is that there's going to be many times where a little voice, little thoughts will come into your head. You're no good. You're second class. You've blown it. You committed that sin. You shouldn't have done that. You said that thing. You did that thing. You looked at that thing. You shouldn't have done that. You're a lousy Christian. That's called guilt and condemnation. The Holy Spirit will convict us and make us feel sorry for what we've done so that we can repent. But the enemy doesn't convict you, he condemns you so that you feel lousy and you actually want to retreat from God because the Holy Spirit will push you towards God so that he will cleanse you from your sin. And the enemy likes to make you retreat just like Adam and Eve. What did they do? They hid from God. It's what the devil does. Oh, you lousy Christian. And and we need to be able to say, and sometimes we get so fearful, am I ever going to make it in this Christian life? Will I ever get to the end of my life and still believe in God and still love God? Because you know, you sometimes see your friends fall away from God. But we need to be confident this year. And we need to say when the enemy's accusations come knocking, we need to repent of sin and get right with God. But when his accusations come knocking, we need to be able to say now to him who is able to keep me from falling and present me without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing. That's talking about when Jesus comes again that you won't have any shame when you stand before Jesus. And you, you're not going to get there in your own strength. I'm not going to get there in my own strength. I have to have confidence that God the Holy Spirit and the power of the love of Jesus and the grace of Father God is able to keep you and me from falling. And if we trust in Him. And you know the Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord and He delights in their way. Though they fall, they will not be utterly cast down. For the Lord lifts them up with his hands we need to know that when you do fall and stumble if you turn from that sin God will lift you up Micah 7.10 says do not gloat over me my enemy though I have fallen I will arise though I sit in darkness the Lord will be my light this is for some people here tonight. You feel like you've fallen. You feel a hypocrite. You feel like you're in a worship service and you're you're full of shame tonight because of what you've done. And you just need to bring that under the blood of Jesus and ask Him to forgive you and do not allow the enemy to drive you away from the God that loves you who hung on a cross and bled for your sin. There's no sin you'll commit that Jesus' blood can't wash clean. Now to Him who is able to keep you from falling. I love what 2 Timothy 1.12 says. It says, I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that He is able to guard what I've entrusted to Him until that day. What have you entrusted? You've entrusted your life. You've entrusted your life to him. You have to believe God is able to guard it. I want to talk to parents. One of the precious things that as parents we entrust to the Lord is our children. Is that right? Maybe you dedicated them when they were children, or if you didn't do a dedication ceremony, perhaps in your heart you've many times committed them to the Lord and entrusted them to the Lord. And you have to have confidence that God is able to keep what you've entrusted to Him against that day. What day? The day Jesus comes back, the day. Of judgment, the day where everybody stands before him and will be judged by what has been written in the record books in heaven concerning what we've done. But the good news is if we believe in Jesus Christ, our sins have been washed clean, and God blots out all the bad things from the books so that only the good things are left. And He that forms the basis of our reward. That's the power of forgiveness. And parents, you and I, if you have children that are not walking with God, they've backslidden, they've gone away from God, maybe they've never made a commitment to the Lord, I want to encourage you, you pray for them and never give up praying. We're talking to a dear friend, Elaine, uh, we've known for many years, and she said she prayed for her husband for 43 years, and two weeks before he died, she gave her heart, he gave his heart to the Lord. And was it 27 years for your son? And then he came back to Jesus. You just got to do it... You, you, you know you got we got five sons between us and uh, you know most weeks there's always a drama with one of them and so we're just having to say God we entrust that to you Lord and we, you know we fast we pray for our children but we have faith we are declaring already that over our children and our grandchildren and I have we have four of them and our great-grandchildren however many generations there are yet to come we are declaring Lord not one of them will be missing on that day that you come we commit them even though they're not yet born we Trust them into your hands that, Lord, they will stay true to you. you got to do it, guys, because we're in a war and the devil's after your children. And kids, it might be that your parents don't know the Lord. Well, you've got to entrust your parents to Jesus or your brothers or your sisters and entrust them and believe that he's able to save them. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. How cool is that? Jesus is in heaven interceding for us. When you've got someone like Jesus praying for you, you can't help but succeed. If you just cooperate, you've got the greatest prayer in the universe interceding for you. I mean, we have an intercessory team and when we go out on, in ministry, we often flick them an email. We're going to be in such and such a place. Please, would you pray for us? And we've got, you know, six or seven of these intercessors that just really pray for us. And we, we know that praying and it really helps. But when you know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords and God Almighty in human form is praying for you, how wonderful is that? And then another verse popped into my mind at, at night time and... God is not only able to provide and not only is he able to protect us and perfect us, but he's able to fulfill his promises. God is able to fulfill his promises. Romans four nineteen to 21 says, He did not weaken. This is talking about Abraham. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. She'd never been able to have children all their married life. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he'd promised. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think. God is able to provide us with all grace that having all sufficiency in all things, we may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to keep us from falling, present us without blemish. God is also able to fulfill His promises to you. The promises that are in the Word of God. The specific promises you may have heard through prophetic words spoken over you. Or dreams that God has given you. Or just the deep yearnings and desires of your heart that as you've walked with God, God Himself has placed there. And this was a miracle because Abraham and Sarah had never been able to have children. And she was about 90 and he was about 100. Well, he was 99 when God actually turned up and said, this time next year you're going to have a son. And he laughed. And she laughed in unbelief. And he said, well, you know, I'm nearly 100. How's that going to happen? And Sarah she, look, her womb's been dead for decades but somehow in that year something shifted and Abraham shifted from incredul- being incredulous about this how on earth could that happen to being full of faith and the shift took place as he began to give glory to God. And the more he gave glory to God, the more he gave praise to God for what God was going to do. The more he stopped complaining that we don't have any kids and it's not fair and why has this happen? And the more he began to praise God and worship God in the midst of his need, he felt faith growing within him. I'm encouraged by that scripture Because it says he grew strong in his faith, which means it's possible to grow strong in faith. It's possible to be stronger in faith than you currently are tonight. But so often we get offended at God because he hasn't seemed to have come through. We complain, we moan, we groan about what we're lacking. And instead, we ought to be giving thanks to God, all praising him. And you know, the best praise you can ever give to God is when it costs you. When everything's going good and we're feeling great, it's easy to praise God. But when everything's tough and you're in pain and there's loss in your life and you begin to praise God, that's called a sacrifice of praise and that's very, very precious to God. And so they have this baby, Isaac, and they're so happy. And then sometime later, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and I want you to take him to Mount Moriah. And there I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the top of the mountain. Which is an unusual thing for God to ask him to do, wouldn't you think? And here's this. Abraham doesn't even question God. He just goes three days journey to Mount Moriah and they go up the mountain and they build an altar and they put the wood on and then Abraham ties Isaac up and lays him on the altar and he gets the knife and he's about to plunge it in to kill him before they set fire to this offering and God leans out of heaven as the knife is up. Stop! And God's a dramatist. I mean, Hollywood films, they think they're dramatists. God's created drama. God says, stop, now I know that you will obey me fully. That was an incredible test of obedience. Incredible test of obedience. I got to thinking about that story as I was meditating on that scripture. And I, I asked the Lord a question. I said, Lord, why on earth did you ask... Abraham, to do something that's a total abomination to you. Because the Bible says that if you offer your children in the fire, in other words, sacrifice them, which was a pagan practice in the ancient days of the Old Testament that a number of nations committed, he said you should be stoned to death. Anyone that does that should die. That's how hateful it is to God for for there to be child sacrifice. And nations that have given themselves or cultures that have given themselves to child sacrifice after some time self-destruct. Or God allows something to happen and there's annihilation. Because he'll only let it go so long. And you may be saying, thank goodness we don't have child sacrifice anymore today. Well, actually we do. It's called abortion. Where kids are sacrificed on the altar of selfishness. I said to the Lord, why did you ask Abraham to do something that's an absolute abomination to you? And as the Holy Spirit just spoke back to me, he said, Whenever my children encounter circumstances that seem to contradict my character and yet trust me, that is a major test I've just passed. It's like that was contradictory to the character of God. Yet Abraham was unquestioningly obedient. Oh, I don't understand that Lord, but I trust you. Hebrews eleven nineteen says he actually believed that if Isaac died, God would raise him up from the dead. That's how strong his faith was. Wow. And, and the Lord said, one issue was a test of obedience. But he said to me, a, ma- a bigger test was the test of trust in my character. There will be times where God will allow us to face situations and circumstances that seem to conflict conflict with or contradict the goodness of His character. And if you will continue to trust God in the conflict, say, Lord, I don't understand this, And I believed God was a healing God and prayed 25 years for my first wife to be healed from multiple sclerosis and get up out of her wheelchair. But she died. And now she's gloriously free in heaven. That was a conflict. That was a contradiction with my knowledge that God is a healing God. But I just said, well, Lord, I don't understand that, but I'm going to continue to believe that you're a healing God. And I'll train others to pray for the sick and we'll keep praying for the sick as much as we can. And... You know what I discovered? I don't know how old you think Isaac was when this event took place. Anyone know? Guess? 14? Younger? Older? He was 25. 25. The Jewish historian Josephus said he was 25. I mean, I read that and I've always thought he's just a little kid. But he's 25 now, 25, prime of life, healthy, fit man. Dad is 125. Who's going to win the contest of tying Isaac up and putting him on altar if he doesn't want to go there? I think Isaac would win that contest, don't you? So this is not just a story about how amazing Abraham was. It's a story of how amazing Isaac the son was, in allowing his father to bind him up and being willing to be placed on an altar and become a sacrifice for God. And Josephus records a speech, I don't know whether it's made up or whether it's factual, that came down through word of mouth, that how Isaac just said to his father, Father, if this is what God has said to you, I am willing to do anything. The interesting thing about the story Mount Moriah is where the temple was later built in Jerusalem. And it was a stone's throw from another hill called Calvary. And there, another son, 2,000 years later, another son was sacrificed. And this time, there's no voice out of heaven as the nails are about to be driven in and he's about to be nailed to the cross. There's no voice out of heaven this time saying, Stop! But the Father says, let it be. We can have the next slide. That sum became a sacrifice for you and for me. There's no way out because unless he'd gone to the cross, there'd be never any way back to God for you and me. And that's why we owe allegiance to Jesus. And that's why... We have to love him with all our heart and soul and mind, because he thought of you when he did that. That's the measure of his love. And he doesn't want us lukewarm. He wants us hot. He wants us radically in love with him, and he's deserving of our love because he's the God of amazing grace, and he's able. Why is God able? to do abundantly more than we could ask or think and pour his blessing and his provision and his grace into our lives. He's able because Jesus made a way for us to be blessed. In 2012, you and I need to know unshakably that God is able. And when the enemy comes knocking on your door with accusation, with circumstances that buffet you, And trials that come your way. And disappointments. You need... To lift up an unshakable conviction and say, I've heard God say that this year is in Ephesians three twenty year, and I declare that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ask or think. I've just been praying that most days since God spoke that to me. It just about most mornings I'm getting up saying, God, you're able this year, you're able to do this, you're able to do that, you're able to perform these things, you're able, you're able to keep our family, you're able. God, you are able and i 'm just getting such a sense my God is able more than i 've ever had before. We were in Fongray ministering uh, at a church there late last year. This is how God is this is just a story of god 's ability and uh, i 'm preaching a message and we take the older call and there 's about eight people that respond who want to give their lives to Jesus. One of them is a young woman. She comes up and she tells me that she has been away from Jesus for 15 years, and and that day she came back. Then she tells me this remarkable story. She said, I didn't want to come to church this morning. She said, my husband made me come. So we have a baby. Baby's three years old, and he has a, a disability. And it necessitates her driving to Auckland every week, Monday to Friday, for this baby to have special treatment. And going back to Whangarei. And you can imagine the pressure and demand and stress. And her husband wakes up this Sunday morning. He's not a church goer. Never been, never been to a church as far as I know in his life. Not a believer. And he says to her, you need to go to church today to find some hope. She said, I don't want to go. He said, you need to go to church today to find some hope. And he literally made her get out of bed and he literally pushed her out the door and says, you go into church to find some hope. I'm going to stay home and look after the baby. You need to find hope. And she just drives randomly and comes to this church that we're ministering at and my topic is finding hope. Like the message I preached this morning. And she says, wow, God is speaking to me. And she gives her life to Jesus. We pray for her and God does a whole lot of other things. And that's just a little story of how God is able. Began to save and work in a family. We met the husband last last week and prayed over the baby. We're trusting God for a miracle. Trusting God that husband will come into the kingdom of God. God is able.